Bibinector Podcast, episode 255. This was originally supposed to be a freestyle episode. I recorded this episode, I believe, yesterday or the day before, over an hour long. And then that's when I realized after an hour of recording that I wasn't playing it through my microphone. I was playing it through my computer's mic. So I was baffled. Once I got done, I'm like, all right, time to edit this. I go to edit and I find out that the quality is just a little bit off. I'm like, all right, maybe... Maybe it's because I'm a little bit tired, whatever. Let me do my edits, whatever the case is. And then it sounded worse after I did, you know, after I did my edits. Now it's just like, whoa, what? What's the meaning of this? Then I really, you know, listened to it. I saw the hardware preferences and I was like, oh, (laughs) I was recording through my computer's microphone. This is, this is pretty bad. And I was sort of in this split, this split choice of, I made an hour's plus worth of content that I plan to chop up into reels, plan on, you know, just having out there for you guys to listen. Do I take the hit on the audio quality in order to, you know, in order to release some content, make it sooner than the week I've been doing these podcast episodes. But, but after listening through more of it, I was like, this quality, I'm not going to make it seem like you couldn't hear what I was saying, but to my standards, it was pretty significant. This wasn't even something that I was able to listen to like five minutes in. I'm like, I, I myself can't listen to this anymore. So if I can't, if I can't listen to my own content, I'm not going to make you guys listen to it. If I can't listen to it, I know for a fact, you guys not going to have an enjoyable experience. It's not going to be grateful whenever I do, you know, cut it up, split it into my other platforms, YouTube, Instagram. So I think an important thing because, you know, right now I'm sort of starting off the episode off about um, a mistake I did. We, we could have a lesson here. Anytime, whether you're at work, whether, whether you're doing something that requires you having to check audio, visuals, do a check. <laughs> Please do yourself a favor. It's one thing to record. Well, for the pods, for, for anybody that's podcasting or doing anything that requires audio recording, take that extra initiative to go to your audio settings, your hardware preferences, I believe, for uh, Adobe Audition. And make sure everything's matched up, even if, for example, um, the the speaker output isn't to your headphones, it's to the computer. That could make a break. Some people, it doesn't make a break to me too much because sometimes I have headphones, sometimes I don't. And then we'll, we'll get into that separate discussion in a bit. But please, please make sure you're set up. Make sure anything you're doing before you start your job, before you start your work, it's all set up well. It's all good. That way... You don't mess up a job or, in my case, have to redo an entire episode. Now, before we get into the subjects, I know the different intro, we really freestyling it just a little bit. Uh, Some of these topics that I've covered, I covered in the original 255. It was a a lot more unorganized, of course, because it was just off the top of my head. But now the fact that that was basically like a practice run. It's going to be more refined, which is going to be dope for me to see like in real time as I speak about it. But as far as the subjects, it's been about a couple days since these two occurred. Kid Cudi, uh, you know, going off on a fan for enjoying a different version of a song that he released. From there, we're going to transition into the weekend, potentially removing Trilogy off streaming platforms. And both of those, I feel they're sort of, they're sort of related as far as like the way these artists I don't know, the way they're viewing their own music. I was just like, weird decisions. We'll get into it. I have it as something, this subject right here, that's what I want to talk about. In relating to crypto having a complete meltdown over the, over the past year, 
Coachella NFTs disappear. It's not going to be too much of a conversation, but it's just something I want to discuss. Like NFTs, music festival. We're going to talk some trash about this. From there, we're going to transition into some of my favorite weekend albums. Now, I got it over here. It's a little bit out of order. So I'm definitely going to implement that when I talk about trilogy. But we're going to be having more discussions about my favorite Able album, which tracks I enjoy, some of my least favorites in particular. This was off a separate tangent I had in the original 255, and now it's more, it's going to be more streamlined. We're going to talk about Pokemon Violet and Scarlet just released and a major issue off the rip that I'm seeing from one of the biggest franchises in the world ever. It, it still appalls me. Then we're going to take, a, not a couple of steps back, but transition into Modern Warfare 2. I've had a good amount of playing time in the game, just about over 10 hours or so. I feel personally for me, that's enough for me to give you a, a nice breakdown of the multiplayer. Haven't played the campaign, so I can't do a full review on the game. But as far as multiplayer, me being a two-time Call of Duty world champion, I, I feel, I feel, in a, you know, a conversation needs to be had about it. And then finally, I want to end this episode off with the fact that Technically, this is the one-year mark of the Vivid Nectar podcast. Yes, one-year mark. Even though if you look in my library, you'll see the first episode being recorded at some point in the middle of December. I originally uploaded the first episode in early November. But to me, the quality of that first episode was so bad that I didn't want someone at that time to get introduced into the podcast. They go to straight to episode one. And it's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a good look. Even though I feel now my audio is a lot better than it was that the first, you know, those first couple episodes of my podcast, um, starting off from the one I have, I've already forgot the, the name of it, but compared to like the OG, OG first episode, it, it was night and day difference from even episode, what would be considered episode two. So like the OG episode one compared to the episode one I have on this platform, Night and day as far as quality. And even then, you know, the I'll save what I was about to say for whenever you get to that point, one year mark of Vivid Nectar, talk about numbers, talk about my experience, the journey, you know, all the fun stuff that comes with celebrating a year. And right now I'm just making sure everything's still recording. You see me like sort of looking down. All right. All right. Yo, I missed y'all. I, I say it every single time. This episode is being uploaded a lot earlier than the recent one episode a week. I know for any of y'all that's been, that watches my reels on Instagram or that's how you digest most of my content, I ain't go nowhere. I just want to say that the episode's content is still being uploaded on streaming platforms and YouTube. So as far as the short form content, it hasn't been here. I haven't been present. And usually I would take the time to say, not even to say anything, just to start uploading again and be like, I mean, you know, whether... It was like a week or two weeks. I'm uploading again. Not going to pay too much, of a, too much of my attention on that. But I've been gone for about since two weeks, a little bit over two weeks since November 2nd when it comes to Instagram, short, real content. And that's okay with me. I didn't properly announce that I was going to stop for a bit. But I was just more, more stepping back, still doing the you know, long form content. It's just like, how do I, I want to push this? How do I want to push this short, real content? I was experimenting with a couple of different things. Some of them would continue. Some of that still in my mind. No, um, just continuously refine what I do for short form content and ultimately how I perform here because I chop up whatever I do here and bring it up into Instagram. So but since November 2nd, I haven't been around. I'm still here. I'm still chilling. We still, still living life. We still living good. 
I know this might be a, a different camera angle than I had originally. For anybody that watches this visually, I know for my, my streaming platform listeners right now, I'm going to have to go through this real quick. But for my visual listeners or, you know, people, for my followers on Instagram, I changed the angle up originally. I had it right in front of me. Not that to me it was like that it looked bad, but I was just like, I could, I could make this a little bit better. So literally I had this grand plan to change my phone from being right in front of me to just slightly angled, more towards the left-hand side. And I feel I got a better dynamic of looking straight ahead and then looking right here on the side. But looking straight ahead, looking on the side, just makes it, to me, it feels more animated at certain moments. Maybe, maybe even a little bit more organic if I'm reading something. You know, y'all could see if I'm reading it as opposed to just looking into your soul. Yeah, looking into your soul. And then whenever I want to talk one-on-one with you guys, one-on-one with you, I could just look to the left, see the eye contact. I enjoyed it from the last YouTube visual, last YouTube video I did. The last two, I played around with the angles a bit. And so we're here. So starting it off, we're going to be starting off with Kid Cuddy on Twitter. So there was, there was a fan that was listening to an OG version of one of his tracks that was on SoundCloud. However, you know, even though he was enjoying the music, decided to tweet about it. I love you, Kid Cudi. Thank you for making this masterpiece. Kid Cudi responded by saying, you know, I released the original. You know, I released this officially, right? So the track, I believe, was Love. Kid Cudi has an official release of this on streaming platforms. And then he started going on this weird rant about anybody switching up and talking about me off my song on SoundCloud. Thanks for showing who you truly are. It's one of the reasons I don't want to do music anymore. Some fans can be toxic and not cool sometimes. And this app really be showing some of y'all true colors. What? Even reading this again and speaking about it again, it just, it doesn't click in my head. I'll be happy when I start making albums so I don't have to deal with this madness anymore, so on and so forth. You get the idea behind it. Now, as far as the way I'm viewing this, I'm not an artist as far as making music. But as far as a fan, any artist that's tweaking over their own fans listening to a different version of a song, Kid Cudi in this case is bugging. Definitely, but I think we could all agree to that to a certain extent. Hopefully, we could all agree to that. But if you have different versions of your music out there in the internet, people that are your fans or not your fans are going to listen to it. And I, I believe if a fan's able to enjoy a different version than the, what you, the one you approved, I feel that's a, I believe that's a greater compliment to, <clears throat> to the artists themselves. You don't think? Let me know. I, I feel it's a, it's a better compliment. Now, it'll be one thing if the, this guy said, yo, the OG version is X amount of times better than the one on streaming platforms. Why? You know, go, and then goes on to like berate Kid Cudi saying how the streaming service version is trash. You know, going in a way where it's hateful. But he's literally, you know, claiming that the OG version of this track is, is a masterpiece. And now a masterpiece, potentially not even the way Kid Cudi viewed it. Come on, that's some flowers right there. And then Kid Cudi going into, you know, I want to say maybe he had a bad day. Maybe he just emotionally, whatever's going on in life, just translate into reading this and it wasn't clear. But just, you know, sort of going off on this. And that's the reason he's not making any music. Nah, he's definitely going through some stuff, which is, which is fine. And not by fine, like, oh, he's going through whatever it is, what it is. But everybody goes through something. He probably had a bad day, a terrible day, not having a great time mentally. Going on this tangent, this rant. But overall, 
I think it's petty. I think it's ridiculous. And I'd be damned if I had an artist telling me, telling me, hold on, telling me that I'm a toxic, that I'm toxic and I'm switching up. Because number one, as far as the relationship between a fan artist, I really, I could sit here and it's not so much a lie and say, you know, I do care about some of these artists as a person. But a majority of the time, I really care about the music and the artists, not the real person. So for Kid Cudi, seeing something like this, I'd be like, Man, I hope whatever he's going through, he eventually is able to overcome it, keep swimming. Y'all know how it is. Keep swimming, do your thing. But I'm not going to be here like, damn, I really mess with you, Kid Cudi. I really mess with you. Uh, I really mess with the music, Scott. This hurt me. No, it's not that deep. I'll keep listening to that version. So on to the next one, which is sort of similar. Abel is sort of contemplating removing Trilogy from streaming platforms because if for those of you guys that aren't aware, for my Abel, for my Abel fans, y'all, y'all know. Y'all know what's up. Y'all know what's up with the difference between Trilogy and the three mixtapes that are inside that compilation. House of Balloons, Thursday, and Echoes of Silence. All, put, all of them were packaged together to create the compilation tape trilogy. And then we got a couple tracks thrown in there that weren't on the original mixtapes. Uh, a couple notable things to note is mixes, how it overall it sounds, and a couple differences you'll hear from the original mixtapes to the more, at times, even though it could be a little bit more polished for certain tracks, it loses sort of that ambience that some of the you know, I haven't listened to it, but I will say like Ambience, your original had. I know for me, I rarely visit Trilogy right now. But I also rarely visit the original mixtapes. However, when I did listen to any of the songs on Trilogy, I would prefer to listen to it on its original mixtapes. That's just the way it is. So whenever it comes to House of Balloons, High for This, What You Need, Wicked Games, Loft Music, I'm listening, I'm listening to it on House of Balloons downloaded in my files. I'm not listening to the trilogy version. I could just, I could feel and hear the difference. Now, anyhow, Abel wants to remove trilogy off of streaming platforms because he wants people to listen to the way it's intended to be listened to. Okay, that's fair. But I believe Letting your fans, even casual listeners, because listen, if you're a fan of Abel, if you're a fan of Abel, number one, you probably already understand that Trilogy is a compilation album. If you're a fan of Abel, you understand that. And then you understand it's based on the original three mixtapes. Now, for someone who's a casual listener or is getting introduced into the weekend over the past couple albums, you know, 2016 post, but at this point, maybe after hours, because after hours, I could see a lot you know, people still being introduced to The weekend through that album. I could see how a tweet about listening to his prior music could be, could be a pretty nice push to them if, if they follow them. Now, to delete Trilogy for the sake of you want people to listen to the original mixtapes just doesn't make sense. I'm going to read this other tweet, Abel Post. If y'all want to hear Trilogy, how it's supposed to be listened to, listen to House of Balloons. Thursday, Echoes of Silence. Now all samples are on Trilogy and the mix isn't the original mix, but shout out Trilogy, but FYI for the new fans, it isn't an album. You know, basically some of the stuff I already said, almost forgot to mention, yes, samples. Honestly, I can't remember the samples too much because I believe they did a good, I believe they did a decent job, his team of replicating some of the samples originally used on Trilogy, but those were one of the things that if you really listen to, you could tell there's a difference on there. 
Like a tweet like this, I feel is dope. Definitely do this for your fans if there's a version of your music that you prefer them to listen to. Like going back into Kid Cudi's situation, it could have been like, a, a better approach would have been, I, you know, I appreciate you listening to the OG version. And maybe if he had the curiosity of the fan knew about on streaming platforms, did you know I already released this on streaming platforms? Which one did you enjoy? Why not say which one you enjoyed more for what reasons and let everybody else know like, hey, if y'all didn't know about this, previous version, check that out too, because at the end of the day, it's your work. But going in, uh, going back into the trilogy, there's, it, it was noted here in the Twitter thread, but I'm not going to dive too deep into these Twitter threads. But for me, I could see why people, even fans, would prefer a trilogy to the original mixtapes. Something that holds me back to listening to music that isn't on Apple Music or Spotify is the ease of use, which in, in real time, in real time, there really isn't that much of a difference from me going on Apple Music to going into my files folder and listening to the mixtapes I have downloaded on there. It isn't that big of a difference. But then I find myself to practicality. I'm already on the Apple Music map map app. I already have albums, playlists. I already just boom, boom, music download. It's a seamless transition that while listening to music does make a big difference. So I could see how Trilogy will play a part for anybody that's already in their app. Like I want to have everything set up here. So if I want to listen to loft music on Trilogy, I could just poop right there and then. Another, another issue I have with potentially removing Trilogy from streaming platforms is where, where are these people that listen to Trilogy? Assuming, you know, for the most part, everybody's going to be using the music app. Are they going to go out of their way to download the original mixtapes and listen to it on their own way of listening to it, whether it's their own MP3 file, um, download converters, whatever the case is. Are they willing to take that extra step? Because I believe this is more geared towards the casual listeners. I, I already believe the, the fans or even disabled fans and stands that really understand this. Because I feel, I believe if you're a fan, you, you already know this. So not compared to the casual listener. They probably do it a bit. But for the people that prefer Trilogy, just let, why, not, why not just let them enjoy Trilogy? And there was another tweet. Yeah, uh, the, the weekend tweeted this to somebody that said the trilogy version is ten times better. But the weekend saying, yeah, but for example, Birds Part Two on original is way better sounding than on trilogy. My personal opinion, I find it. I find it great that fans have two choices. You, you could get you could get from the original mixtapes or the trilogy version. And I feel there's nothing to gain from removing trilogy. But besides, I would like to call it having a bit a bit of ego involved in this. Having, well, I want it to be listened to my way. Of course, coming from someone that isn't an artist, I probably wouldn't understand that. Actually, I could understand it a bit. Now that, now, now that I say that, I could understand it a bit. Seeing as how I recorded 255, I didn't enjoy the quality. And I didn't even choose to release it. I didn't choose to release it, but releasing it, what if I would have released it, but then eventually taken down, put the new one? I don't know. Would there have been somebody else like, hey, man, I enjoyed that version better. You enjoy worse quality? I I guess, but I'm gonna have this new version up. And I probably would have taken down the okay. I, I could sort of I could sort of see how able I could sort of see how able is viewing this. Now I think about it. But also, it isn't like trilogy is a terrible version of his three mixtapes. Trilogy is I had a burp right there. Trilogy sounds great. Trilogy sounds amazing. It's just Compared to the mixtapes, at least for me, 
I find it, it loses a little bit of sauce. Now, with that, last time, last time I discussed this on the OG version of 255, I think I went down House of Balloons for whatever reason, but I can't remember right now. I just want to say the knowing, ah, that is a very, very soul fulfilling, depressing ass track. Music video is outstanding. Having it set like on another planet. So that sci-fi element to it. If my memory serves me right. Now I remember I was getting at. Now, whenever it comes to trilogy, when it comes to this era of Abel's music, usually when it comes into this fall time, it's getting cold outside. It's getting dark earlier. That's whenever I tend to listen more of Abel's early catalog which I also find to be a nice, you know, nice little skip in time to the past, skip in time to the past. One of the time, it feels good. It reminds me of the times when I originally listened to this. This is where I was heading at. My introduction to House of Balloons at the time, I was, pass- I was passing pizza flyers for a pizzeria. And I remember those uh, being, I think, was I just turning to a teenager? Just turning to a teenager, man. I think I was 13. Was I 2011? Y'all do the math for me. I'm 24 right now. But I, I love this project because at that time, I don't know, Abel just spoke to me. It, it's funny, me not having ex- even experienced most of the stuff that Abel was singing about, I was just like, damn, I relate, bro. I relate all this cocaine. No, not that much cocaine. No cocaine, as a matter of fact. But it just sort of hit this spot on my head. In my head, in my heart. Now, realistically, the album is incredible sonically. His voice is angelic. 10 out of 10. But also that moment in time where I was passing, again, pizza, pizza flyers for a pizzeria. It was cold outside. I remember running up and down. I remember this album being one of the few mixtapes I originally had downloaded in my Android at the time. And it was, it was just an unforgettable moment of my life. And as I grow older, including House of Balloons, Thursdays, and Echoes of Silence, that whole era, eventually I will go through situations and certain relationships where it was more relatable to listen to these projects. But now I'm at a point where I'm not really going through, I'm not going through shit that I listen to these albums and I relate to. Now, me being in the position I am in my life with my relationships and everything, uh, whether it's like with friends, my girl, it's like, I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I'm happy. I'm content. I can't listen to this too much because I'm not in this sort of mindset to where it's just like, damn, this is really calming the soul. Every now and then, I, what is it? I believe loft music. Loft music's always a good vibe. And how <laughs> good vibe. House of Balloons, Glass Table Girls. Those are some tracks I revisit here. The Morning as well. But everything else, sort of like, I would prefer listening to 2016 post-Able because it sort of matches more with my life. Again, we freestyling this. So this is why I was just sort of like, hmm, this part, I don't remember doing this part in 255, what I'm saying right now. But this part was on the OG version of 255. And we're going to be going to what I find to be my favorite Able album, Starboy, released in 2016, September 21st. Damn, it's really been about, what, six years? Six years. Now, I'm mentioning this because then there was a bit of a conversation of, well, uh, Trilogy's the best, even though it's a compilation tape project compared to everything he's ever released. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got Starboy. And, and I'm highlighting Starboy. Some people be like, Starboy, dog, you put that? Yes, I'm putting Starboy over Trilogy. It's my favorite. Middle Trilogy's a compilation. I'm putting that over Echoes of Silence Thursday. And even right now, House of Balloons, 
After Hours, Beauty Behind the Madness, Dawn FM. Yeah. And then there's some other Able album that I'm at the moment, I'm not able to think. I don't know. It's just so, so bad. I don't know why anybody would listen to it. Ah, Kissland. Kissland. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Kissland's that bad. To me, it's, it's a running joke. I've been doing it with some of my close friends over the years or acquaintances. Like, what's Kissland? I've never heard of that. Uh, but I don't want to, uh, we're sort of everywhere right now. Last time on 255, I discussed my least favorite tracks on Starboy, some of my experiences listening to the album and why to me it's my personal favorite. So starting off with that, my least favorite, my two least favorite tracks on here will be, wow, I'm forgetting. No, no, no. Um, Sidewalks with Kendrick Lamar. I don't think it's a poor song by itself, but in comparison to the rest of the album, there's a lot to be wanted. Kendrick Lamar, even though I feel he does a great performance, it's just sort of this awkward part of the album where it's just sort of like, all right, this is a bit weird, but I'm rocking through with it. I'm rocking it. Not in reference to rocking track five. Yes, actually, it is referenced in there. And Six Feet Under, I believe, with... Was it Six Feet Under? No, the other one with Future. Even though they're great, Six Feet Under and Nothing Without You, I find for me to be my least favorites. Now, for the tracks that I enjoy a lot, at least most recently, it has to be A Lonely Night, Attention, especially that ending of Attention. And then right now, it's probably Die For You. Die For You is therapeutic, especially back in 2016. Not that I was willing to die for anybody. Well, maybe. Maybe. But uh, discussing some of my least favorite tracks on here. 2016, when this album dropped, it was... It dropped at a very crucial point for me because I was graduating high school, going into college, in college while also working. So the same way Abel cutting off his dreads, going into this new, going through this transition of his life into this new person he's become. I felt I was like on the same wavelength throughout the the album release and listening to it. I, I was messaging Abel and I was just like, yo, I feel like we're both in sync right now with our positions in our life. And as I just wanted to mention that. Why? Why did I want to mention that? Because, damn, some of these albums, at least for me, I, I really do place the value of an album on how much of an impact, a potential impact this had on my life, um, how much I could relate to it, at what specific phase was I listening to the album? Because that plays a major part as to why, when it comes to this new generation of hip-hop, like this new SoundCloud era, why there's only so much I could really enjoy. I know, a weird transition there. Because to me, just some of the, most of the content in, the, in this new SoundCloud era for me, it's just like, I can't really vibe with it like that. Like, not, um, I don't want to sound too much like an old head and say, man, they all talk about drugs. Well, that ain't the case. That ain't the case. It's just for me, aside from Yeet, a couple destroy lonely tracks. And uh, who is it? Who is it? It wasn't Ken Carson. It was somebody, somebody else that wasn't Ken Carson. And then maybe based on how I'm already speaking on y'all like, damn, what's this guy? He's not naming all the, all the heavy hitters. I just, I can't really rock with them like that. I think they do make good music, but I can't listen to it day in, day out. I could just say, I could listen to Yeet and I feel his music already fulfills like what 90% of people in relation to Yeet's kind of music does. If that makes sense for you guys. I know I could, break this down a bit better, but we freestyling here right now. I know some of y'all are like, what? Con- uh, what was it? Kana? Is it Kana? Um, somebody else. 
I don't know. I think I, I think I listed everybody from Opium, Ken Carson, Destroy Lonely. When it comes to other artists, that's whenever it's just like, I'm sort of forgetting. Like Summers, he doesn't make mad, bad music. I haven't been able to gravitate towards Summers. But now whenever we talk about people like Kenny Mason, y'all seen that I show, that I show love to the music on Instagram, spoken about it plenty of times, whether it's through the features or the individual tracks. Kenny Mason Harp. Honestly, I could see... I could see why old heads were the way they were. <laughs> me getting older and me being at a point where I'm preferring, preferring when it comes to the younger generations, rappers that rap more than they do like melodic performances going off of the ad-libs and their distinct style. Now, I actually want to take a couple listens to a couple artists that more or less, I just have to really push myself and see if I really stick with any of them. But going on from here, Starboy, Weekend, a little bit of Underground, House of Balloons, all that jazz. Some of this was an original 255. Some of this was brand new for this version. Now, recently, I'm not, I'm not too big when it comes to whatever a rapper says, what are my thoughts on it. But sometimes they catch my attention. 21, 21 Savage saying Nas isn't relevant when it comes to hip hop right now. I've seen a 30 second clip, a minute clip, and a two minutes of like right before, right after. Is that way I could get the entire, as, as much information as I can from his statement, because sometimes clips get taken out of context that could completely change everything if you just watch a little bit more. For starters, the biggest red flag is it was on Clubhouse. I, I believe <laughs> most of the things hip hop related that come from Clubhouse is always like usually either out of context or it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And now 21 Savage saying Nas isn't relevant right now when it comes to hip hop. He's not wrong completely there, there, the fact that he wasn't able to really break into it I felt there wasn't enough information in, in that statement and the before and after because immediately after that whoa whoa what do you mean it's just like there, there needed to be a heavier talk so I'm going to provide that I believe when it comes to a mainstream hip hop a mainstream hip hop listener right now in 2022 Nas isn't as relevant to them as people may, as, as hip hop fans and people that are invested will make it out to be. And I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. I wouldn't even say hip hop casual listener because right now hip hop, not, I believe there's probably been like a slight decline, but still the, the biggest, if not one of the biggest, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest genre in America. So even the casual listener that's tuning into hip hop music, they probably don't care about knots. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's something people got to understand too. When it comes to casual listeners, especially casual people that listen to hip hop right now, you can't expect them to, you know, show a deep appreciation for a music genre. They're not trying to become fully invested. Like there's casual music listeners who really don't have a preferred genre. They really don't care too much about certain artists or rappers or the history aside from hip hop, maybe rock, maybe um, pop. Like there's some people that just listen to whatever dope at the moment. So I feel to them, to that casual audience, to those casual, um, I wouldn't even say enthusiasts, to those casual consumers of hip hop music, Nas isn't relevant. And that's okay. We don't, um, we're not stressing over people that are not really that invested in hip hop, not caring for Nas. But now I do want to say for anybody that is a genuine hip hop fan, a genuine fan of rap, 
that you're able to appreciate whatever's on the underground, whoever's been here for a long time, the OGs, whoever's in the middle, that's able to appreciate all kinds of hip hop. Nas is extremely relevant, without a doubt. I would like to say most of most of most of y'all that watch me at some point have listened to Nas. Nas is new stuff in the past two years or so, enough to where you can list some albums. I would like to believe that. You, you let me know. Are you listening to Nas like that? But whether we're talking about the King, King's Disease trilogy and the magic tape that he dropped, I believe, last year, Nas has been incredible. King's Disease 2, I will place it as probably my second favorite Nas album. Coming from somebody, me, who I haven't listened to every Nas album and other albums besides Illmatic that I have listened to, I was never able to really stick with it. But King's Disease 2 is a track that is a track, is an album that, all right, I actually keep this, like saved in my library. I have it downloaded. I do revisit it. I believe there was a podcast episode. I, I can't remember the name at the time. Well, the number to reference where I highlighted he outwrapped YG and was it Tyga? I think it was YG and Tyga. Hold on. Let me go to the track list. It was on King's Disease 2 and I felt that Nas outwrapped them, but not just in the lyrical sense, but when it comes to the canvas, when it comes to the flow, when it comes to actually sounding modern, dope, like I actually prefer hearing Nas in comparison to YG and Tiger. I was like, what? Nas is watching them right now. He sounds, he sounds way, way more fly than both of them could at the moment. I just, I don't have like this little itch. I have to find the name of the song for you guys. Oh, no, no, it wasn't Tiger. <laughs> It was it was a boogie. It was a boogie. YKTV. He outperformed both of them, and I was just like, I, I could, I could genuinely see Nas rapping and hanging, or even exceeding the performances of some of the rappers right now that are you know like in the mainstream hot. Whether we talk about the babies, the Dirks, Nas could definitely match or outperform or even when I was listening to what was it Wave got off of Magic with ASAP Rocky I'm like yo Nas coming from someone who's very what I say casual Nas fan I can't even I'm gonna be real with y'all I'm not a Nas fan and that's okay like I, th I think that's okay I enjoy two of his albums a lot but I'm not a fan of him is, is that safe? not safe to say could you some of y'all do y'all feel about that way with certain artists like you listen to maybe two or three albums but you're not a fan? Or am I a fan because I listened to two, two of his albums? I don't know. I'm going, I'm going through this moment. I mean, we'll circle, we'll circle back to that conversation. But YKTV initially listened to it. I was like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. He running laps around them. Nobody was also great. Brunch on Sundays with Blast. What? What? I, I wanted to see this song talked about a lot more. I mean, we could talk about EMP. EPMD2, Rare, Death Row East, 40 side. But to me, Brunch on Sundays with Blast. Incredible. Incredible. And besides from incredible, superb. Superb stuff here. Now, to go over some numbers in regards to Nas. Shouts out hip-hop numbers, providing these statistics, giving the credit, because this man, again, be putting a lot of work for this. Sorry, I had a burp. Nas is set to become the first 80s, 90s rappers to chart four new projects on the Billboard 200 this decade. We have King Disease 1 that was number five on the Billboard 200, King's Disease 2 that was number three, Magic that was number 27, and King's Disease 3 
projected to be around the 11 spot, but still on the Billboard 200. 200 albums since the 80s, 90s, he's been rapping and he's doing this independently. This is something important to know. This isn't a major label pushing him 24-7. He's not, he's not even sacrificing the quality of his music. For me, I can make a case saying like King's Disease 2. I've listened to a bit of King's Disease 3. Not too much to where I could comfortably say what I'm about to say. King's Disease 2, to me, is a top three Nas album. Now, take it how you want it because I can only list two right now. Illmatic, King's Disease 2. But whenever it comes time for me to really go through his discography, look through what I have saved on my phone, what I genuinely listen to. King's Disease 2 blew my mind away in a great way. And I just want I just want to put that out there. Now, 24 rappers who dropped their first project pre-2000 have charted a new project on the Billboard 200s in the 2020. And that has been, you know, 24 rap. I'm confused right now. I'm supposed to be giving you this analytical information, but this is why we freestyling it. I, I enjoy freestyling a bit. 24 rappers who dropped their first project pre-2000 have charted a new project. Oh, all right, all right. I, I, see, I see exactly what it means. I was... I don't know what went on with me. But to think 24 rappers who dropped the first project before 2000 in the 2020s have been able to chart in the Billboard 200. Now, we have Nas, of course. We have Yo Gotti, Snoop Dogg, Tech 9 Lil Wayne, Alchemist, Eminem, and Jadakiss to highlight some of them. Of course, all provided by hip-hop numbers here. Now, first week sales. I would, like to, I would like to believe no one is criticizing Nas for first week sales, seeing the longevity that he's been going on right now with the quality and still being able to stay relevant when it does come to numbers is remarkable. And as far as some other projections right here provided by hip hop numbers, Nas is projected to sell about 27K first week with King's Disease 3. Glorilla is battling 28K for a top 10 spot on Billboard 200 with her EP and I can never see this as a way of, wow, Nas is getting beat by Gorilla. But the fact that Nas is still able, when it comes to numbers, to even chart in this position, be as relevant, and yet again, make outstanding music. Wild, 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 man. This comes from someone, I'm going to be real with you. Now that I have some time, I am a fan of two Nas albums. I've been a fan of several features that I've heard, not completely invested in his discography. But it's well done. This is well done. Now, going on from here, this is going to be light. Nothing crazy. I, my last podcast, I believe I broke down a little bit my, my thoughts on crypto. And then to double down again, if you still have money in cryptocurrency that you can't afford to lose, you messed up big time. You messed up big time trusting, oh man, they got no regulations. We can't trust banks. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's biting a lot of people. But... For in order, me being more sincere to anybody that's lost a substantial amount of money that's sort of hurting you right now, yeah, you deserve it. You should have done your research. I'm not being sincere about it. But the Coachella NFT collection goes missing as crypto exchange FTX implodes. I saw this headline for an article. And then because it was more music related and my thoughts on NFTs, you know, they sort of joined forces and being like, this is... This is, <laughs> this is a terrible reality for any festivals, podcasts, or even artists that have invested NFTs, invested into their NFT, or, you know, made people invest in their NFTs and potentially collapsing because of the bankruptcies that's occurring for a lot of exchanges. 
something to take note of for anybody that for whatever reason still wants to, hey, buy, join an NFT collection, buy an NFT. Me reading this, I had like a chuckle. I was like, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. This seems like a nice trickle down effect to everything. Uh, Shouts out to CoffeeZilla, man. CoffeeZilla, anybody that's been watching CoffeeZilla before the J Mozini, Mozani, before the J Mozini scandals and that whole entire series. Before, before that, this man, he's been, not say he predicted everything because he himself admits he wasn't here to just predict everything. But if you've been watching CoffeeZilla, if you're a CoffeeZilla fan, I would like to believe that your pockets are a bit on the safe side. And shouts out to him for helping us out here understand that all the scammers, the way these crypto exchanges, the way these crypto firms, anything crypto related, the truth behind them. And seeing something like this puts a smile on my face. It really does. I, I could I could sit here and say, damn, I feel whoever, you know, for the people that invested money into the Coachella NFT collection, it sucks. I hope they're good. But to me, I'm just sitting back like, yeah, y'all, y'all deserve to lose it. <laughs> not really, not really deserve to lose it, but how really investing money into the Coachella NFT collection? Like, there's just certain NFT collections I'm like, like, another one that I actually want to see pan out good, I actually want to see this NFT collection succeed would be the full send one with the card and everything. I gave my thoughts on it again on a podcast number that I can't remember, but that's an NFT collection that I watch it. I'm like, I hope it works out just for there to be like, you know, legit, legitimate track record for certain people. But if it fails, Sort of like, yeah, I believe these promises. You see my fit? All right, going on into the next conversation. The next one Pokemon Violet and Scarlet released, I believe, what was it today or was it yesterday? Anyhow, it released, and I've watched a couple different gameplays of it and reviews, not for the sake of that review is going to be how I feel about the game. I believe Pokemon Scarlet and Violet did. A numerous amount of things right from what I've seen. I'm enjoying a good majority of the new Pokemon designs that feel like Pokemon without me even having to play it out. It's just like, that feels like a Pokemon. I love the fact that they're continuing, even though it's been long overdue from Pokemon Arceus to where it was almost completely open world, five distinct regions, to now in Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, it's completely open. Being able to fight uh, I believe gym leaders in the order that you want, being able to have that level of freedom in a Pokemon game, having open world interactions with other Pokemons and other things to do besides battling. I find enticing, like the little kid in me wants to go out there and buy this game and play it for hours. But there's a major issue with this. And it's the fact that one of the biggest franchises in the world that are making millions Stupid amount of money. Pokemon games by themselves make million, but actual franchise makes stupid amount of money. Of course, separate departments within the franchise accumulate the money. Not everything goes into the gaming division. However, in 2022, there is no reason a Pokemon game should be looking worse than Pokemon Stadium. No reason. I'm not going to buy into the fact that, oh, it's open world where the Pokemon are in the open world. The fact that it's open world, there's no excuse for frame rates to be as trash as I've seen. There's no excuse for certain moments in the game, like textures to completely disappear or just flat out ugly. And this isn't even an exaggerating for any of you guys that are watching this. I don't know if any of you guys watch me for Pokemon content. You know, I I sprinkle it in here and there because it is like a childhood passion. There's, There's like a big red flag. 
if Pokemon Stadium on the 64 is having better textures than a Pokemon game in 2022. It's been over 20 years. I don't want to hear the fact that it's open world. The game looks ugly. It performs pretty bad. And there's a lot of glitches. And this is coming from Nintendo, who it isn't like they have a completely clean slate, especially when it comes to Pokemon. For whatever reason, the biggest franchise seems to be handled the worst as far as performance. But this is just laziness. And I'm not going to go on this tangent where people need to stop buying these games. Hey, you want to buy them? Feel free. But for me, this is why I haven't bought Arceus, why I haven't purchased Violet and Scarlet. It's because I'm not going to take this. Now, in the future, after 30 patches, which I doubt is going to look any better, we've seen it with Sword and Shield. We've seen it with Sword and Shield. It still looks pretty bad as well. It will probably perform better as far as frame rates, but from a technical aspect and honestly gameplay, if a game looks bad, plays trash, it doesn't matter how much fun the actual gameplay could be. I'm staying away from it. This is something I want to speak to y'all to be like, hey, this is pretty bad. Don't buy it. And hopefully we get a version on the PC where it's HD, like full-on 1080p, 60 frames per second. We have people upgrading the textures and giving it some stability because that will be a version I want to play. I believe for Pokemon Arceus, they have a PC version right now that I've been waiting for more updates that we can continuously be refined. But it's at a point where it looks pretty great. It looks great. Improved water textures, improved frame rate, improved textures, overall performances. And I want that to be my first experience with Arceus. And hopefully I see that maybe like a year and a half from now with Violet and Scarlet. That way I could enjoy a definite, a definite, I would say, experience that we should be having. Like, unfortunately, our expectations have to be so low for Pokemon that we still get disappointed when it comes to this department. Technicality, graphics. Hey, but we live in right. Oh, anybody that's been playing it, let me know how are you enjoying the game? How are you able to push through? Ah, my flash turned off. How nice. So I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to have to record this again. But that's fine because I could have... Let me turn on the recording right now. I could have this in sync for whenever I edit it. But do you guys visually right now... Visual went off real quick. That's why I was paying attention to this right here. But to end this off, we got Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer review. And then we're going to be talking about Vivid Nectar podcast over the past year. And I want to start off by saying Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer is incredibly fun. I'm playing on PC. Um, as far as settings, I'm able to comfortably play at ultra settings. 60 FPS because I genuinely can't tell a difference above 60 FPS and 1440p resolution, even though I rendered down just for the fact that I don't know for with Modern Warfare 2 just sort of looks better not being completely on 1440p. Um, some of the information to know that way you can see how I'm gaming on it because that does, I believe, play a part into how it could affect someone's multiplayer experience. Now on PC. There's been numerous amount of issues. Like the first three days, the Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer was working pretty good with me. No lag, no weird stutters. And then after a couple updates and just patches that for me ended up making the game perform worse. Files were corrupted. So at points, the multiplayer experience for me was I was playing in straight pixels. I was playing through severe amounts of stuttering, which was detrimental to the experience. But the game to me, the, gun, the gameplay and the gunplay is so exciting and fresh to me that 
I continue to play it even with those issues. So that goes to show you, I believe that speaks volumes for the kind of game it is if I was playing through those issues. Now, as far as the guns, I love the fact that guns have actual recoils. There's actual weapon sway. There's actual recoil, like um, the aiming stability. There's an actual impact in these guns and their base forms. Another aspect of multiplayer I enjoy is the fact that there's certain there's certain weapons that genuinely feel the less attachments they have, the better the gun is. I love this form of balancing when it comes to Call of Duty because I, I I felt past Call of Duties, max out the five attachments, you're going to get the best version of a gun. In Modern Warfare 2, through my personal experience, I, I find like I have a 74U setup that only has three attachments and through various different attachment upgrades, playing barebone, I find this to be the best, the best version of the gun for me. The fact that I don't have to max it out, or even when I do, I find it performs worse than if I just have these three attachments is immense. Or even at times, I believe, what was it? Not the M4, but what the AK-47 should be. Sometimes I rock it with no attachments and I find it to be a lot more consistent, hard hitting, and better than when I do have it on attachments. I do have one with no attachments and one with five attachments. Right now I'm testing out both. And that in itself, I'm just like, all right, we actually, I think it should be great like this. And then having the attachments just improve the gun to a specific playstyle, other than just overall. I, I feel this impact from a practical sense. Maybe on a technical level, it might not be true. But the, again, this is my perspective. The weapon tuning, as far as like the suppressors and things like that, I love this element to it, aside from the fact that attachments do their own effect on the guns. The fact that you could tune these attachments further to your own specific playstyle has me in the menu for about a good 10, 15 minutes anytime I create a class. And just that extra layer of decision-making that I, I enjoy a lot more having this in Call of Duty instead of just, well, here's the meta, roll with it, whatever the case is. But in this case, it's just like, no, I, I feel, I believe people could really make their own personalized weapon that could perform better than whatever's a standard meta. I genuinely believe that, especially seeing as how I'm playing it, I'm experiencing it. Now, as far as the gunplay, as far as the attachments, I've just given them, given you my feelings for that to go back into the performance because I sort of just skipped that over. Recently, I deleted the game, re-downloaded it. It's been performing a lot better for me on PC. However, I am getting these random spurts of stuttering that occur for like about three seconds. And initially, I thought it was lag, but it's moments where the game just stutters and whatever I do doesn't register. So I could be aiming at a UAV to shoot it down. But once the stutter starts, it's almost like I've never aimed and I'm back to square one, which gets me killed. I can't tell you how often I get killed dealing with this issue to the point where sometimes it stops me from playing. At other times, I'm able to sort of cope with it. But that's a major technical issue that needs to be resolved for me to really say this game runs great. It has a big amount of issue had big issues on PC and right now there's a stuttering problem that really takes down the experience. Now, going into the maps of Modern Warfare 2, aside from the one that's on the Mexican border, which I'm sort of growing into, they, they all range from fair to amazing. Honestly, the one wherever you have the bridges and the underwater pathways, I think it's an amazing map. Whenever you have the color saturated in the settings, I also find it to be a beautiful map, seeing as how everything sort of looks like a sunset. From there, the racetrack map is also also really dope. I love hearing the cars racing by. The way the map is set out, 
there isn't really a chokehold point to where, all right, this is a spot that everyone wants to gravitate to. I feel for the most part, everybody just sort of runs around, stays more, you know, more to the middle. But whenever you're playing any objective game modes like Domination or Headquarters, I feel every area shines. Whether we're talking about from the back with the buses or all the way in the front where we have, you know, sort of two houses in the back or going all the way to the right hand side where we have the area right next to the racetrack is pretty dope. Those two tracks, uh, those two maps, I mentioned the most because I find them to be great maps. Everything else for the time being has been above average good. So that's when it comes to the map discussions. That's it for that point. Now, you've probably heard it, more experience with it. The menu is trash. It's like a mobile game. They had like the developer of Hulu work on the menu. It doesn't make any sense why they did that. But for whatever reason, they did. Making sure my setting on here. Is it completely away? They need to revamp that, especially the perks. The UAV spam didn't bother me at first. But man, whenever I'm playing up against a good team and I'm just seeing like five UAVs being put up at once, we need ghosts from the ultimate perk system. We need it at least in the middle because it's the UAV spam. It does get, depending on the lobby you're in, it does get to a point where, wow, I don't even feel like shooting them down because there's so many and it becomes a matter of who could look at the minimap the most, which I sort of feel is counterintuitive to what they were trying to stop to begin with, which I, I don't believe Ghost really is that big of an issue. If you can't see, I don't know, there's this weird... Even the way they're handling it, like this weird stigma against ghosts, like, oh, the fact that you can't be seen on the minimap or whatever. It's like, what's wrong with that? Like, what's wrong with actually just playing the game and just finding people in that way based on where your teammates are, based on the gunfire you see on the map? So the fact that they're, you know, all this is getting put to where people could be seen easier caters more to a casual fan base. Or not even casual fan base. I'm not even going to talk politically correct like that with COD. Nah, to the scrubs. It caters to the scrub. It caters to the people that don't, how to, don't know how to play. And it's just frustrating. Definitely frustrating. Um, if they were just to balance that out and make it to where the ultimate perks come in like about the halfway point of a game match instead of more like the 75% point, it would make the gaming experience better. And overall, that's, I mainly play multiplayer. I don't play anything else, bother with anything else. Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer on PC has more refined gameplay in comparison to MW19. Not as many maps, and the maps we do get is a bit lackluster in comparison to 19, just because those maps were extremely well-made. I really do find them well-made. We recently got Shoot House, which is a dope plus. And since this is... Officially, we have the Battle Pass Season 1. I can't say too much of, oh, we don't have calling cards. We don't have all this and that because it's here. But I felt it could have been added in earlier. But I enjoy the fact that now we do have our own combat records, barracks. We do have calling cards. And even as much as people dislike the store, I do enjoy the fact that I'm able to buy whatever calling card I want that looks pretty dope. I mean, realistically, I would prefer we had a large choice just off the base game like we did in previous Call of Duties. Black Ops 1 is a phenomenal example of this. Amazing calling cards that you didn't have to pay for them. And I would appreciate an Emblem Creator back. I don't know why they stopped doing that. Emblem Creator was one of the highlights for me. Usually, I just stuck with an anime character. I don't know about y'all. But yeah, I would, if I had to rate Modern Warfare 2, I'll give it a solid 7 right now on PC just because that stuttering issue makes an entirely big difference. 
And because some of the issues I'm running into as far as the gameplay with Ghost, as far as not being able to slide cancel, as far as not being able to bunny hop, I love those changes um, for the people that believe this affects gameplay and the fact, you no, know, the ru- ruins the movement mechanics and the advancements and learning curves. No, no, it doesn't. I love the fact that we can't reload cancel. I love the fact we, we ain't finessing the mechanics. It keeps us a bit more grounded, more tactical, but still action-packed and arcadey, just like Call of Duty feels. Great. Now, to end this episode off, talked about it in the beginning. Talked about it in the beginning. Vivid Nectar podcast. We're at the one-year mark. Officially have 255 episodes since last year. Now, you might be a bit confused because if you looked at my first episode, it was uploaded in December. Right? It was uploaded in December. However, the OG, the OG episode I uploaded was in November. And not not to go too crazy with this because I've spoken about it. Or at least did I, this is the part where I confuse the OG version of this episode with the one I'm doing right now. But anyhow, your mark of the Vivid Nectar podcast. At the moment, we have 41,328 streams, which is incredible. We're going to clap it up. We're definitely going to clap it up. I initially wanted to do this podcast just to, you know, talk about generally whatever I enjoyed, have my own mind. Instead of being someone that watches other people's opinions, I wanted to be the creator instead of the consumer. And I've been loving it. Over 40,000 streams in the past year. Let me tell y'all, I do not make money off of this. I do not have any sponsorships. I do this out of me genuinely loving this space and creating the content as I do. Sort of if I could, you know, I, I could... To an extent, understand artists like music artists. Right now, I do say this it could be a bit of an art form. Though, I know what I'm saying. Um, you know, for those of you guys that podcast, or even if you don't make music but you do create, like this is, I can't. I could see this as therapeutic. I could see this as extremely uh, satisfying. And so to go over over forty one thousand streams, as far as the average listeners on my episodes, it ranges. Um, especially with my music reviews, that's whenever it could range from like 20 people to 500 in an episode or recently with the way I've been handling it to where it's just mainly me doing these longer episodes. That's whenever we're looking at about maybe 10 to 20, we might have a spike. Um, then that's the averages I get every now and then I'll have an episode that will probably, probably go 30, 40 plus. So I wanted to give you some of the real numbers behind my podcast. Um, not going to sit here and say, yeah, we have, I got like a million. Now nah, I'm going to tell you the real numbers that got going on. Uh, just because aside from me being transparent, I'm not ashamed of having the numbers that I do have. I think it's important. You know, I'm going to spit some game for anybody that's listening to this that wants to start a podcast. Don't compare yourself to other platforms. Don't compare yourself to what they got going on, especially when it comes to the numbers. That really was never an issue with me when it came to this podcast. Because for me, it's just like, whether whether I have full, over 40,000 um, streams or not in the entirety of my podcast, I'm, I'm going to still be doing this. I promise you that much. Even if it's not as frequent, at least once a week. Yeah, and that's important to know because hey, we're having a good time out here. But within the span of a year, 40,000 streams, the goal isn't, you know, even though I did highlight it at one point, we're going to be getting millions of streams. We are. We're going to be getting the millions. We're slowly going to get there. And But I don't make I don't make this the sole purpose that if I'm not eventually going to reach a million, what's the point of this? It's just a matter of taking it episode by episode, genuinely. 
Now, I would like to believe, and I do believe we're going to do bigger numbers next year. But if for whatever reason, my numbers were to decrease, it isn't a bad thing either. I'm not going to find that as a, oh man, what's the point of doing this? Like, clearly I did something wrong. And if I'm gauging it just on making the numbers go big, but yeah, I am trying to make the numbers go big. Now, I want to go in here like step by step and see some of uh, my analytics. Some of my top episodes, a big, big one is Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac loves train review. And that review, even looking back on it, was a great review. But whatever reason, Nicki Minaj episode right now, people are listening to it. And then this ranges top trending episodes on the daily. As far as, let's see, I want to get listener behavior all time. Yes, November 9th was when I originally released the episode. I got it right here. I get my top, my top streams, my top five countries is the United States, of course, 15,000 streams. India with 2,500 streams. And let me round it up better. So the top five countries that have streamed my podcast the most, United States with 16,000, India with 2,500, France with 2,200, South Africa with 2,100, and the UK with 1,800. But of course, you know, not even for the sake of top five, but going on from here, like Germany, 16, uh, 1,700, Brazil, 1,500, Canada, 1,200. Extremely grateful for people that I didn't think I could reach. Aside from maybe locally, some of my friends, the fact that there are people worldwide that listen to me, I'm extremely grateful and thankful. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Vivid Nectar podcast. Me, Alexander, y'all already know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say every country. This is going to be my last call like they have on albums. Mexico, Australia, Nigeria, Kenya, Italy, Netherlands, Poland, Turkey. And then like, it's like one, down, like one stream, one download. We, we talk about the hundreds right here. Zambia, Spain, Russia, Belgium, Argentina. I don't know what AA is. I'm sorry. For those of you that are in AA, <laughs> I don't know what country that is. Um, Chile, Malawi, Philippines, New Zealand, Sweden, Switzerland, Angola, Indonesia, Japan, Ghana. Peru, Colombia, Morocco, Romania, Cameroon, Ireland, Mozambique, Nepal, Portugal, Ivory Coast, Zechia, Israel, Australia, Zimbabwe, Denmark, Nepal, Algeria, Guatemala, Saudi Arabia, Tanzania, Greece, United Arab Emirates, Hungary, Slovakia, Slovakia, Egypt, Malaysia, Bolivia, Nambia, Bulgaria, Finland, Jamaica, Tunisia, Botswana, Senegal, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Ecuador, Paraguay, Latvia, Trinidad, and Tobago, Thailand, Cyprus, Lesotho, Rwanda, Lithuania, Lithuania, Togo, Bangladesh, Costa Rica, Haiti, Panama, Singapore, Taiwan, Pakistan, Ukraine, Nicaragua, Croatia, Eswatina, Serbia, Estonia, Gabon, Georgia, Bahamas, Vietnam, Uzbekistan, Qatar, El Salvador, Luxembourg, Ethiopia, Guana, Uruguay, Guadeloupe, Hong Kong. You know, I, I sort of regret going on this listing spree because I feel like I'm listing every country in the planet. I mean, I'm looking at the map right now. There is a crazy number that's highlighted. 
Meruas, Azerbaijan, Sri Lanka, Benin, Burkina Faso, Mali, Puerto Rico, Reunion, Sierra Leone. Big Sean. He's not from there, but he has a song titled Sierra Leone. Belize, Dr. Congo, Jordan, Madagascar, North Madisonia, Slovakia, Uganda, Cambodia, Equatoria, Guna, Iceland, Kosovo, Kosovo, Mongolia, Brunei, Albania, Barbados, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Guam, Kuwait, Suriname, Venezuela, Burundi, Guana, Liberia, Myanmar, Papua New Guinea, <laughs> Seychelles. Again, I'm not making fun of these country names. I'm just not going to attempt to say I got it right. I'm butchering some of these. Buhan, Cabo Verde, Gabia, Lebanon, Maldives, Malta, Mauritania, Omen, Republic of the Congo, Karakua, Fiji, Armenia, Laos, uh, Niger, Solomon Islands, Chad, French Guiana, Macau, Moldova, Salma. Yeah, I have about 200 other countries. <laughs> well, what I'm seeing right here in total, I have 202 countries that I've streamed to. Of course, as I continue on the list, it's whenever it's less and less going from the thousands to the hundreds to the dozens to eventually. I see we're getting to a point where we're hitting <clears throat> individual number streams. So yeah, 202 countries over the past year, Vivid Nectar podcast. We here, we gonna keep, gonna continue to do this podcast, the evolution of it, the growth world. And I can't wait to see where this podcast will be years from now, just reflecting back on it, any changes, anything I continue on and my own growth through it. Now we're at a point where I'm losing my voice right now. So episode 255, thank you for tuning in. A bit of a freestyle, a bit based on the OG 255 that didn't save. And I just appreciate everything up until this point. I'll catch you guys on 256. I'm out.